All right. Well, welcome again to H2O. So glad that you're here. I'm Pastor Matt, one of the pastors here, and so excited about this series that we're going through in the book of Philippians. If you want to grab a Bible in front of you and turn to Philippians chapter 3, you can, but many of the verses will be coming up on the screen. We're excited to be going through this because we know as we go out throughout our weeks and our lives, we have all these roller coaster things that happen in our life, all these things that are thrown at us that could steal our joy. And this Philippian church had that same thing happening to them. Difficulties were coming in, and Paul was reminding them over again, just like we were just singing, to continue to find your joy in Christ. And that's why we called this Invincible Joy. Last week, Pastor, uh, um, our pastor in training, Kent Ramsey, was talking about as we just walk in obedience with him, faithfully walking with him, there's going to be a joy in that obedience. And so this whole book has been really about the difficulties that come in that try to bring us down, that can, that can affect our confidence in walking with Christ, and how we can push those aside as we focus in on just knowing Christ. And that's what this is about again. And if you've been coming to this series, you feel like, okay, I kind of got that. Um, that's, it's becoming repetitive and redundant. That's good. That's a good thing. Matter of fact, in the beginning of the passage that we're going to read in chapter 3, Paul says, hey, it's no problem for me to keep reminding you of this. And he kind of just keeps repeating himself. So that's a, a really on-purpose kind of thing. Now, just to set up this passage that we're talking about, these, uh, these people are coming in and challenging them on their beliefs in the Philippian church. I had mentioned before that there were a lot of retired generals in this town, so there was some nationalism. And when they talked about Jesus is Lord, and not Caesar is not Lord, they were getting a lot of opposition for that. And now in this passage, we're going to read some really smart intellectual Jews have come to challenge them on the gospel. And they're starting to feel a little bit insecure in this, of like, well, are we in the right spot here? Are we doing the right thing? Because these people seem pretty cool. They seem pretty smart, and they seem like they really got it together. And so um, they're starting to question the message that Paul gave them. And, and kind of the feeling of this, as I was thinking about this teaching, uh, I was thinking about just this last week, I was at a pastor's conference. And at these leaders' conferences, if you've ever been to a conference or some kind of gathering of your peers, you might be able to relate what I'm talking about where you're meeting people, okay? It's a great time. There's all these people coming together. Uh, there's some, some sharing of ideas. There's business cards being exchanged. People are shaking hands. And they kind of ask that question, well, who are you? You know, tell me what you do. You know, what's, what's your title? And you have that moment in life as you're exchanging these uh, these bios and your resume of like, man, is my value placed in this? As I try to explain who I am and what I offer to this person, am I trying to impress them? Am I trying to show everybody how valuable I am? You know, it's kind of like, hey, tell me what you do around here type of thing. And uh, it's very tempting to kind of in those scenarios, as I was just in this week, to think, you know, these are good things. I want to let people know who I am. But you have that moment in life when you're exchanging those kinds of things to kind of have that mental gymnastics of this isn't really my identity. 
These are some roles that God's given me, but my identity is in Christ. And it doesn't matter what the people think of you or what titles they have or anything like that. Uh, a couple months ago, I was asked to speak at a conference, and I said, yes, love those opportunities. And the week of the conference, I opened up the brochure, and I find out I'm speaking right after a Ravi Zacharias guy that's going to be preaching as the keynote speaker. And if you know anything about Ravi Zacharias' ministry, it's an amazing ministry, amazingly smart people, okay? I did not belong on this brochure next to the guy that was speaking if you're just thinking of theology and intellectualism. And so, um, you know, I open that brochure and I think, oh man, do I even belong here? Should I be here? But I knocked it out of the park. I did way better than the guy before me. It was <laughs> fantastic. Just kidding. So as we get into this passage in Philippians chapter 3, here's the big idea for today. Our ultimate joy comes in valuing Christ's work over ours. You're going to find great joy in life as you value what Christ has done in your life, what Christ is doing, the work that he has done, and what he says about you over your own activity, over what we do. Because finding value in knowing Christ is way more significant and it's way more consistent than the accomplishments of the life that we try to achieve. So let's jump into chapter 3, verse 1, and I'll explain this in three different passages. So here we go, starting in verse 1. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write this thing to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by His Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. Now, you noticed in this passage here, he says, watch out for these dogs, these evildoers, these mutilators of the flesh. This is a very intense passage from Paul. Okay, This is God speaking through Paul through the inspired word of God with some pretty harsh language, right? You might read this and didn't know the context of you think, wow, is it okay for us to call people dogs? You know, to call people evildoers? But here's what's happening in this, this situation, this Philippian church. This young church, this fragile church, was mostly Gentile people. And the Jewish people used to make fun of them and call them Gentile dogs. They would put them down. They would ridicule them and they would discriminate against them. And oftentimes the Jewish people came in with this premise that we're much more valuable than you. You're just Gentile dogs. And... If you really want to follow Jesus and you really want to be a godly person, you need to be circumcised like us. Because we know the law, we're God's chosen people, we've been circumcised, and we have gone through all the activity that we should go through to please God. And this whole just faith in Jesus is not enough, and so you need to have that Jewish activity that we have. And Paul is saying, this is wrong. This is ridiculous. They're the dogs. They're the evildoers because they are coming in and threatening the work of Jesus 
in your lives. That's why he's so protective, Paul. That is why he is so strong in his language. He says, no, you're on track. You're pursuing this relationship with Jesus. He's changing your life, and you don't have to go through these physical things. You don't have to go through these human efforts to try to prove your value or prove your worth to God because God's already saying, you're so valuable. You're so loved. And your acceptability to this holy God is through faith in Jesus. So he tells them, don't put confidence in these people. Don't put confidence in these worldly things. Don't put confidence in these fleshly things. And that's the first point your first fill-in, it says, don't put your confidence or value in the things of this world. Don't put your confidence or value in the things of this world. Now, of course, there are many wonderful activities that God calls us into in our family, in our marriages, in our work, in our friendships, in our accomplishments, the things that we're trying to build, the things that we're trying to do for God, the things that we're trying to do to provide for our families. Those are all very biblical, godly things that we should be doing to be faithful to God. But what this passage is saying to us is don't ever mistake that for your value. Don't ever look to that to fulfill you. You do those things for God. You don't do those things to earn value in who you are as a person. That only comes from God. So I ask you this question this morning. Where do you find your value? What is it that makes you feel like a good person, a valuable person? As you're out there in those different meetings and you're meeting new people and the business cards are being handed out, which I know people don't use business cards anymore. It's a very outdated example right there. And you're just kind of putting your resume together to show people how important you are. Is that where you find your value? Is that what satisfies you in your heart? What people think about you? How smart you are? How you look? How great and together your family is? We can all look to these accolades, these activities, and these accomplishments to find joy, to fill us up. And they're empty. They're empty idols. They're empty gods that don't really satisfy that deep longing that we have. And that deep longing is to look to our Heavenly Father and He says, you're valuable because I say you're valuable. You're valuable because I love you so much. And I showed you your value when I came to earth and died on the cross for you because I wanted a relationship with you that much. Not because of your accolades. Not because of your resume and all these accomplishments that were trying to earn people's love and earn people's respect. They're empty. You know, recently my wife and I have been doing some cleaning in our house and I remember a couple different times that we're organizing closets or we're organizing our barn and we have come across this box of trophies that I've had from many years ago. I will not go on about my glory days of dominating in fifth grade basketball, but it's impressive. It's so impressive. The trophies are so beautiful. And I keep saying to her, like, each time we move, you know, we should probably hold on to these things. As the children get older, they will want to see these. They will want to know about my glorious life, and they will respect me more. 
And you know, as my kids have gotten older, I've showed them some of these trophies. They could totally care less. Whatever. Don't you want to hear the story of this trophy or this ribbon or this award that I got? And they're like, whatever, Dad. Okay, you're old. Just move on. And to finally take that box and just say, yeah, you know what? What is this? And just to be able to throw it away in the trash was a, a freeing thing to get rid of it because we can kind of put some hope in those old trophy boxes, in those old accomplishments that were something and that were valuable and we want other people to think a certain thing of us. But they're empty. They're good things, but they don't serve us well when it comes to our significance and our value. We only get that from our Creator. And so Paul is telling these Philippians, this circumcision thing and all these physical things they're asking you to do, they're worthless. They're not going to bring about a relationship with God as these Jewish people are coming in and challenging you and persecuting you. Their words are wrong. And he goes on to the second point. Let's read on to what he elaborates on this, um, moving on to verse 4. Paul says, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. What is Paul saying here? He's saying, look, this stuff doesn't matter, but these Jewish people that you're coming into, if you want to put together a worldly resume and you want to listen to somebody, let me just tell you, by the way, okay, I have it as much as them, if not more. If you want to talk about who should have some swagger in this worldly life, okay, I've got it. I was of the tribe of Benjamin. That was the best family. That was the pedigree. That was the family to be from, the tribe of Benjamin. He was a great Hebrew in regard to the law of Pharisee. These Pharisees were no slackers. They were smart. They memorized the word of God like nobody's business. They were so smart and so dedicated to their spiritual endeavors. They were so committed to the law. And they said, and Paul says, you know, you think they have zeal? I had Jewish zeal at one point. You know what it led me to do? To try to kill Christians. I was so dedicated and so zealous and so good at my job and so passionate that I pursued those young Christians to persecute them. That's where it led me. I was faultless in this world. But then listen to this. This is so fascinating. Moving on to verse 7. Make sure that you catch this. He says this. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. 
Paul is saying, I know that you're looking to those worldly and physical things and, and they're impressive to you. But I want you to know I had them and compared to now my relationship with Jesus, that stuff's worthless to me. That stuff's garbage compared to this intimate, amazing relationship with Jesus that is through faith, not through my accomplishments, nothing that I earn, but just this grace of God, this, this faith that I have, and this mercy that I've, shown, I've been shown from God is so wonderful. It's so amazing. It's really my destiny. This is what I was made for. And he said, that other stuff is rubbish. He actually uses a Greek word here that's pretty close to an explicative. Pretty strong language in the Bible. As, as close as you can get to a, a godly man trying to accentuate a point that this is dung, this is garbage, this is refuse compared to how sweet it is to be in a relationship through Jesus because of what he did and not because of what we did. And he's telling those Philippians, man, hold on to that. That's where your value should be. So point two with the fill-in is this. Put your confidence and value in knowing Christ. Put your confidence and value in knowing Christ. What's your theology on Monday, and what's your theology on Wednesday, and what's your theology on this on Friday night, when this really plays out in your life? Are you going through life knowing this is the most valuable thing in your life, knowing Christ? Of course we want to do well with our families. Of course we want to do well in our jobs. Of course we want to do well in our relationships, and for people to respect us and think highly of us. But all of that is for what? To glorify God. To use all those things to point to the most valuable thing that we know Jesus and He knows us and loves us. All of those things should be pointing us and others to a relationship with Jesus. If you're going through life trying to find value in all those things and trying to build up your, your resume and your education and all the letters after your name and your buildings and your businesses and your numbers and everything's about numbers to you, you're going to find yourself very empty in life. And that's what Paul is talking about. He says the same thing to the Galatians in a different way. In Galatians 6.14, he says, As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So all the boasting and the bragging in our lives should always be about God's mercy for us, God's love for us. It's not an overly spiritual thing. You're not going to sound that weird. You know, we're, we're afraid of kind of being like the Jesus freak when we get a compliment or we're doing well and we say, man, I'm just really thankful that God's helping me through this. I'm really thankful that God's given me these gifts and these talents to accomplish the things that he wants me to do. Those kinds of phrases, those kinds of thoughts that people hear about in our lives is how we boast on the cross and how we brag about God. Heaven forbid that we receive all these accolades and these accomplishments and we soak them in for ourselves so that people will think we're important. 
that we're so much better than them, that we're so amazing. And that's the kind of persecution that was going on with the Philippian church. They were feeling less than, than these people coming in. And they're being persecuted. And Paul is saying, I know this is hard on you. I know these people are saying that you're wrong. I know these people are saying that they're better than you. And you don't have the lineage and you don't have the education. But you have Jesus. You stand strong in your relationship with Jesus. He wraps it up like this, verses 10 and 11. If we're really going to walk in this, how do, how do we live? He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. These couple words that he uses here really stand out to me. Is that as you and I know Christ in a very intimate way, we're going to have power in our lives. We're going to have a supernatural power that is beyond this world so that the world can't touch us. And the insults and the opposition and the trials and the difficulties and trying to function in this world, we can be above it because of the Holy Spirit living in us. He says, I want to know that power, the power of the resurrection, because that's living inside of us. But with that amazing power, what's the next thing say? It says also in his sufferings, that we will be suffering and having trouble in this world because we're walking with Christ. Because we value Jesus more than the things of this world and the money and the accomplishments and the title and the reputation, you'll get some opposition. It's going to make you do things and choose things in a way that the world will not like. And they're going to say your values are wrong because you value God above all things. And that's foreign to them and that's strange and it will be difficult. You know, the Bible talks a lot about being in this world, but not of the world. And I love that passage. I love that thought. He wants us to function in this world and do the things that he's asking us to do, but not be affected by it, not be of the world, which knowing our citizenship is in heaven, which we're going to talk about next week. You know, I love this uh, passage in Matthew 22, where this in the world but not of the world thing, because they come and they're always challenging Jesus. And they came to Jesus and said, hey, should we pay taxes to Caesar? You know, they're talking about taxes. Money and taxes were important to them back then, just like money and taxes are important to us today. And Jesus has this brilliant answer. It's amazing. He says, hey, bring a coin to me. Uh, just show me some of your money. And they bring a coin to Jesus. And he says, whose image is on the coin? And they look at it and they say, Caesar. And then Jesus says this, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Jesus is saying, you know, there's things in this world you're going to have to be a part of. That's Caesar's money, and, and he wants to, you know, collect that. He can do that. But God wants something too. And we need to render something to God. And I love that Ravi Zacharias elaborates on this verse. He says this, whose image is on you? You see, that coin has a 
rendering of Caesar on it, and that's his. But what image is imprinted on us? The image of God. And so we give ourselves not to this world, not to Caesar, but we give ourselves to God. And I love that. I love the pursuit in my life of knowing that this world, even though I need to function in it and I need to be faithful and I want to earn people's respect so that I could glorify God, but this is not my home. And this is not your final destination. We're living for something eternal. We're living that we might know Christ. And this next thing about just these three things again, which I think gets very confusing in our Christian lives. As you go about your week, I want you to think about these activities that we do. And we think about having the right morals. We think about having the right associations with people and the right behavior. And those are all, again, very valuable things. I want to clarify that to be in this world, we pursue those things. These are things that God asks us to be a part of. But don't ever make them your God. Don't ever make them your focus. Because Paul says, this is rubbish. Compared to you in your relationship with God, hearing from Him, receiving His love, telling you how valuable you are in His image, that He has a plan for you, and He decides where you're going. He decides who you are. And we don't measure ourselves according to the measuring sticks of this world because we have this newness of life. And I'll close with this in Romans 6, 4. It says, Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. If you've been living your last few weeks just really affected by what other people say of you, them trying to put their value on you, this message he has to the Philippians is a message to us. You don't have to be affected by that. You can walk in a newness of life, knowing what he says about you. And all the accolades and all the things of this world are not the goal. They're not the most important thing. You being alone and enjoying your relationship with Christ is of utmost importance. Let's pray for that.